They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. And sunshine in my eyes can make me cry. Oh, sunshine on the water, it looks so lovely. And sunshine almost always makes me high. Wait, wait, what? Hold on a second. What? Nope. I'm not a druggie. Is this a drug song? It sounds like it. Sounds like it. Who knew John Denver was weeding it up back then? Um, I think everybody, Brant. I think it was pretty common knowledge. This must be why my mother never even listened to this type of music. <laughs> Devil's music. Devil's music. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock, the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into about half an hour or so. And we get it. We know how busy you are and trying to just find a moment where you can get a little bit of some leadership wisdom to make your life a little bit better. We get it. It's hard to come by. And it doesn't really matter what you're doing, whether you're, let's say, ironing clothes or you're building a boat dock, or maybe you're watching a live feed of the International Space Station. It doesn't really matter. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to each and every week. Listen, September happens to be Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer, which is an absolutely fantastic nonprofit focused on providing options to kids with cancer who've been told that they've run out of options. Uh, CKC helps actually identify innovative options and then goes one step beyond that and provides the funding necessary for the treatment. They are literally providing hope to the hopeless, and that is why we choose to support CKC. They're too good. So listen, just a, a very quick reminder, whatever format that you're currently listening to the podcast, if you like the show, we would love it if you would just take a moment to give us a rating and even better give us one of those written reviews. Those comments, they actually really do help get us in front of more people to help grow the show, but even better support Cannibal Kids Cancer. Yeah. So listen, whatever we can do to, you know, put you in the mood. If the John Denver thing didn't do it up front, I don't know what's possible to not get you in the mood with a little sunshine. I do. Do you? This song means something. Does it? Yeah. Is it time? It's time. It's time. It's business time. Our guest today, friends, is is a longtime friend of mine. He is simply one of the funniest men I know. Louis Ramey, stand-up comedian, has toured with everyone from Whitney Houston, Donna Summer, Ray Charles. He's a TV veteran. You've seen him on shows like Last Comic Standing and oh, yeah. The Tonight Show and Last Call with Carson Daly, ABC's The View. Uh, you might have seen his Comedy Central special as well. Um, he's been on with Byron Allen in Comics Unleashed, nominated for a Mac Award for Best Stand-Up Comedian. You know, the guy's resume is unbelievable, but, but most importantly, just one of the best dudes I know. Lewis, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Glad to be here. Wow. 
I uh, that was a great intro. I wish there was an audience to applaud. <laughs> we'll add that in I'll post. Applaud. That's yes, right. We'll add sound effects. That's it. I have to laugh. You know, we go, Lewis and I go way back with uh, uh, when, geez, when Fort Pastor, when the first, ah, first band, first record yeah. deal, uh, we were in the college market in maybe 06, 05, 06, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, we would see Lewis and the, the, the two of us, we'd be doing showcases and hoping to get booked in a you know college cafeteria somewhere in Iowa for a couple thousand bucks way way back in the day and uh, you know playing lab rooms in, in everywhere you shouldn't be um, but uh, to see the success you've had since that time my man just congratulations on everything it's you've, you've deserved it you've been one of the hardest working guys I know well thank you very much thank you very much and it doesn't feel like work it really doesn't that's that's the goal, right? I guess if we're doing what we're supposed yes. to be doing, man. Absolutely. I'm just thrilled one of you actually made it. Which right. is great. No, that's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, uh, which leads me to my thought that rocks. Yeah. Let's do it. Thoughts that rock. Number one. Well, uh, I think as a comic, uh, well, I'll put it this way. If you're an accountant, and or you have a nine to five job. It's it's very easy to uh, track your progression from foreman to uh, foreman to working in the office. Yeah. Or uh, and you can judge people by their education. Yeah. Hey, what do you do for a living? How where where you go to school? There's nothing for that for comedy. You if there's nothing that separates me from another comic. There's no degree that says he's better comic than I am. So all we have pretty much is uh, we kind of live on our uh, ego. Yeah. You have to say that I think I'm funnier than that guy. Uh, I think I should be working in California. I think now I'm good enough to move to New York. You know, so all those thoughts have to be your own. You have to make them yourself. Yeah. And so uh, as a comic, you find yourself, since you have no metric to judge, if you're moving forward in the business or we're moving back or if you're doing well or not is to judge yourself by other comics. And that becomes a trap mm. uh, because I find so many comics, you know, that you're doing your act, you're doing well, all of a sudden, let's say uh, somebody starts doing uh, uh, hillbilly comedy, starts doing a little, uh, 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 talking about being grow, growing up in the South or growing up in the West or something like that. And you go, Hey, I'm from Ohio. I should do some Midwestern jokes. I should <laughs> yeah. cater my act towards that because that's what's selling right now. Uh, and then something, all of a sudden the dirty comic comedy becomes hot. And yeah. You decide, Hey, you know what? I'm going to throw a few dirty words and make my act more dirty because that's what's selling yeah. right now. And so you spend, a good five, 10 years changing who you are for whatever the market wants. So, and that does not look like the actions of a, of an artist. That's the action of someone selling a product. Yeah, I can't. And if you're going to be a comic, you pretty much just have to put up your blinders, focus on you and only you and not worry about everybody else taking off or doing things because people get caught up in that. I can't believe she got a special. She's horrible. I can't believe she got. <laughs> yes, yes. And not only are you burning bridges, but you're 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 kind of showing everyone how insecure you are. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a reflection of the music business, right? Same same sort of a thing where we would sit there and and these bands have showcases or these bands have certain appearances on certain shows, and you're just sitting there going, "Holy shit, these people suck! How do they possibly get that gig? Whose uncle works on the show? Whose you know aunt got them this gig?" And and you end up looking like just complete a holes the the whole time. Uh, But but in reality. It's subjective, right? I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest parts of of getting up on stage and doing what you do every night is that comedy is subjective, and and yes, it, I, isn't it? I, I mean, mean, I can't tell you how many I can't tell you how many guys have, uh, you know you're writing material, you're trying to be clever, you're trying to be different, and uh, you get off stage and everyone's going, "You were hilarious, we loved you." Then you show up. The next day, and there's a guy up there doing fart jokes for yeah. an hour, yes. and they say the same thing. You were hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. And you're like, well, should I be writing clever jokes? Should I be right. that, am I doing something wrong? Yeah, it's the it's the lyric writing where you you toil over the lyrics of a song for a year, and you're grinding it out and trying to find the perfect word. And some band comes out with "Ooh, baby, baby, la la la," you know. Hey ho, hey ho, and and you're going. What what the hell am I doing? Why why aren't I just writing, you know, four word courses and let's call it a day and collect our checks? But you're, I think to your point, you're not being authentic. You're not being who you are. You're chasing uh, right. a trend. You're chasing whatever it is that you think is going to sell. And and in that way, I mean, I that that might be the true definition of a sellout, right? I mean, that's that's sort of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How, you're, you're, uh, if you're trying to create something, like, and this is the thing that gets you caught. If, let's say, for instance, uh, uh, the new thing is to do, uh, you know, you're uh, like I, when I was in the 80s, there was this thing called pot comics hmm. and they would do nothing but jokes about being uh, living in their mom's house. Yep. Uh, have bong jokes, yep. references to bongs, and they not only did well in clubs, but they did well in colleges. Yeah, and there were guys that were just surfer comics, long hair. Hey, dudes, how y'all doing? And colleges would love them. Oh, well, that went out of fashion. Yeah, like a brick wall. Yeah, <laughs> and if you are a, if you are authentic, and let's say you were that guy. You were that surfer guy. Well, you're not going to be that surfer guy in your 30s. You're not going to be that surfer guy in your 40s. So your act should, uh, you know, evolve with you. And if you are pretending to be something, then there's nothing to go to from that. You know, if you say, uh, like, all those Def Jam comics. Yeah. That uh, when Def Jam was hot. Yeah. Well, if you were up on stage doing jokes about selling drugs and uh, uh, living in low-income housing, it's hard to sell that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have to change your whole act because you followed a fad that went out as opposed to just being yourself. Like, no one can say that Chappelle changed right. in the last 15 years. Right. He's been who he is. Yep. You, same thing with Chris Rock. Yep. Chris Rock has been Chris Rock for as long as I've known him. Makes and me. these people are thought of as great comics because they are who they are. Yeah. You you know that when they say, I cheated on my wife, 
that's not something for a joke. Right. They cheated on their wife. Right. Right. It makes me. If uh, they had a drug problem, it's part of the act. It, it makes me look at someone like a Mitch Hedberg who, if he was still here, you know, may have may have been able to come full circle into the into the weed culture right. that that is prevalent today, but but never really changed his you know from from the time he was hot or not hot to the time that he became really popular. You know, he still sort of was the same guy uh, to the end. You know, I, I I think you're right. And you have source, you have source material. You are the source. Yep. If you uh, make up a character, then you have no source to go to. It's like, because that's not you. See, now that's... I, so you can't really involve... You can't really write about your life yeah. as a character because <laughs> that's all fake. And that's... So I would assume, is it the holy grail for, for most comedians to just write source material? Just stuff that centers around what you know and love? Yes. Yes. I mean, if you are if you're writing jokes, and you are doing it as a character, then yes, you are a comic performer. But uh, if, but you have to keep up that character. You have to. That character has to be an um, exaggeration of yourself. It's Larry the Cable Guy, right? I mean, that's right. Ulti- right. Ultimately, that's, a, that's an exaggeration yep. of who he really is. Right. Traveling through Florida, traveling through the South. Uh, and he pretty much just took his act and just made it the, the Southern guy. Yeah. But that's really him. You take away the accent, you take away the exaggeration. Yep. That's him. Yep. And it's got to, it's got to be hard for you. I, I, I think about this now. I mean, it, awesome job. You absolutely love it. I can tell that you do. I, I, I've liked you since I was, you know, watching on last comic standing. But I think in today's day and age where, to your point, unless you've always been doing a certain type of jokes, it, you, you've got the PC culture right now. Plus, you you have to be cautious, right, not to take somebody else's stuff. So you're writing original content. Not that you would ever run out of it, but does it make it so much harder for you to, in fact, put those blinders up that you talk about? You don't want to you don't want to poach anybody else's stuff, but to be original. What what is that process like for you? Are you just sitting in a hotel room the whole time thinking what's happening to me in my life that would be funny that I could share with people and be safe? Uh, actually, it, it's it's strange. And if you watch, like what I do is I'll watch other comics and I'll see, you can see almost a trend mm-hmm. uh, of uh, not only material topics, but everyone's take on it. So for instance, uh, if you do a um, anti-Trump joke, there's nothing original about that. Right. There's nothing, there's no traction on that because most people will agree with you. Right. If you go and do a funny pro-Trump joke, like that's different. Right. And I feel like... Uh, so many comics, when it comes to a topic, they go, oh, at this topic, I take a left. And I always say, no, no, do the opposite. Hmm. Take a right. It'll be harder for you to, to, to write, but you will come up with something different than everybody else. Yeah. For you. So, for instance, uh, so I, I would write a sarcastic pro-Trump thing where it would be right down the line where people who love Trump would think, oh, this is a positive thing. And people who hate Trump go, why do the why do Trump just not understand that this is negative? That's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. 
Is it so interesting for me? One of my favorite podcasts is uh, uh, Good Ones, where where they they basically take a joke uh, and and break it down with the comedian who wrote it. And um, yes. you know, it's it's such a it's such an interesting just from a creation standpoint, right? As as a as an artist on the music side, you know, for me, I'm always interested in the creative process. What um, for you is it something that w- when you have an idea, do you go out on you know on stage and hit some open mics and try out some new material? I mean, obviously, you're so busy that. It's not like you can hide. So uh, do you work them into an act that you have now and sort of test the water a little bit and, and allow it to grow as part of the act? Well, I did that for years. And uh, now that um, I'm allowed to, like when I perform now at a theater or uh, on a cruise ship, uh, I have 45 minutes. Yep. And it gives me the room to... Uh, really get them to like me and trust me. And then in that window of them loving me and trusting me, I can go into some new stuff Hmm. and feel it out. So I don't really have to go to open mic anymore. I can just at some point in the show go, all right, we're going to try some new stuff. (laughs) Right. And and I guess, I mean, honestly, in that way, you're, you're controlling the environment enough where you sort of won them over that, you can be a little, maybe a little more risky with uh, with what you want to come with because you've sort of built the trust over the course of whatever, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before you go into any new material. Absolutely. I, I was just thinking... If, if the cr- go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if the crowd trusts you, yep. then they'll go anywhere with you because they go, oh, well, it's going to be funny. We trust that no matter how awkward or, yep. or uh, sensitive the subject is, yep. uh, we feel confident that he's going to make it funny. So they let you finish and they listen. Yeah. You do that at open mic. Hey, you got too many comics in the yeah. room, too many haters. Yes. And it's hard to judge. Yep. In a small room. Like who's like, it was better in New York. When I lived in New York, you'd have 120 people in a room from different nationalities and different parts of the country all coming together. So if it joke does well, you know, this will do well around the world. Yeah. Now having but said that, but he, you can't do that in Georgia. In, instead of doing, uh, would you ever go back to compete? Like I was just thinking about this. There's uh, other than Comedy Central, where there's an actual channel. Th- there's not really any comedy shows other than the late night shows where you can actually showcase some of the comics. And I just saw right. that NBC is about to put out this uh, "Bring the Funny" show, and and I, you know, I like all the people that are on there. It's brand new. But it's a competition. Um, would you have you ever been approached to do that, or would you ever go back to put yourself out there? I mean, there is two hundred fifty thousand dollars on the line. Uh, well, I've been asked. I've been asked to do uh, America's Got Talent. Um, I, you know, I I love competitions. A lot of comics hate them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love them. Uh, I would do it again. But if I did, I would probably uh, have to do it all with a totally different character. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's part of the, they, uh, the I challenge. ran into that problem with Last Comic Standing. Yeah. I was. I had already done. Uh, I thought I'd done just about everything that I could do as a clean comic. Yes. And decided I was going to write something a little more risque. And so I spent nine months writing more risque jokes. 
And then all of a sudden, I got last comic standing. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to just put it, put everything on hold, and just go back to the crate. Like, oh, I got jokes. Yeah. So yes. if it was a comedy competition where we could actually just do our acts, and it was a little more adult. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to be X, but just a little R. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's. I mean, we're adults. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a tough thing, right? It's we we would get asked this too. You know, you you work really hard to sign a record deal. You sign a record deal, it it tanks. It doesn't do well. You're still, you know, you're you're not even close to being a household name. Somebody asking now, you you should go on The Voice, or you should go on American <laughs> Idol, or you should go on this, or go on that, or whatever it is. There's a part of you that are like, excuse me, I'm a professional. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I've, yes. been, I've been doing this for a long time. And there's, I mean, I know it's ego that talks that way, but man, there's, there's a level of, gosh, I guess just confidence and not giving a shit about anyone or anybody, what they say or anything um, to, to go and do that after you've had the level of success that you've had. Yeah. Lewis doesn't need it. He's, no. he's already got I that. I mean, that's part of the, I, I guess it's, I will tell, yeah, I will tell you, the same thing I told a room full of comics that were saying they would never do last comic standing. They said the same thing. Why would I do last comic standing? Oh, why would I do that living in a house? I'm a professional, blah, blah, blah. And I would always say the same thing. Uh, everybody wants the same thing as a comic exposure. Yeah. And if a tonight show will get you 8,000 viewers, what do you think you should do being it. on prime time yeah. for a month will do? Yeah. 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 Everybody in the world will see you. They're, they're they, you know, they're letting their pride get ahead of the fact that 9 million people yeah. are going to watch you every week. Yeah. 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 And you people are going to invent podcasts about you and, 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 you know, uh, people from around the world are going to be going online and seeing their comments and be, get involved in your in in you, as opposed to seeing you on a blip on the Tonight Show. Yeah, well, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It actually leads perfectly to sort of the second the second thought. And and our thought is this: Thoughts that rock number two is that imitation doesn't require courage innovation risk or vision be original right. and and Absolutely. to your point of what you just said i think it takes a it takes some courage right to, to to go into a house like that to know that no it might not be maybe you're above it maybe you're not but but you got to have the courage to get in there and and i you know we talk about something when i'm doing my one of the things I talk about in my keynotes is developing your oeuvre, which is your own original voice. Yeah. And, and as a musician, you know, you sort of, when, when you learn to play the guitar, you start by playing cover songs, right? And so I'm going to go and I'm going to play right. Smoke on the Water or whatever it's going to be. I'm going to learn those three chords. I'm going to then learn to sample a song where I'm going to play a little bit of it, but I'm going to do a little of my own take on it. Maybe it's my own version of it. And it takes a while before I... I write an original song and, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to play, I'm going to play covers and covers and covers, and I'm going to do samples until I get comfortable enough and have the courage and willing to take that risk to share something that's mine. That's from my point of view. And what, what Jim and right. I, what we were talking about before, uh, before this call was it really doesn't work that way in the comedy world. 
you don't, you know, you're not going to go up on stage and and do a cover of Richard Pryor for five minutes. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get just lambasted. Yeah, I mean, they're going to lop you off at the knees for stealing material. But in the music world, we're paying homage. We're we're doing a cover song. Let me show you how I would do it. But in the comedy world, you have to come out with original from the beginning, and that's got to be just incredibly difficult. Oh, well, especially when you start to think about it, you are, if you're in your 20s and you have never had a job, never been married, never raised kids, um, all your experiences have been living with your mom. Yeah. And you're starting at 20. You have to realize there are 8,000 comics all starting the same year you are, (laughs) and they have the same experience. It's crazy. Living with their mom. They yeah. have no job. They've never been married, had kids. So you are pretty much starting on an empty, blank slate, trying to write jokes. And so when you see a bunch of 20-year-olds doing jokes, it all sounds the same. Yeah. yeah. How do you find... So it's very difficult to break out of that. How do you find... Like, let's let's look at that. When you were 20 years old, I mean, you're you're just getting started. Do you take inspiration from the comics that you grew up listening to and try to do a different spin, a different take, or do you look at their say I'm going to more focus on their delivery or whether they're a physical comic or they're you know how how do you take the inspiration of what you love and make it your own? Uh, well, when I was growing up, and I don't think a lot of comics do this anymore, but I was a sponge. I watched every headliner that came into town. I watched every uh, comic that performed uh, within my radius. I watched every comic on television. And if you go to see somebody who is a master at it, uh, you pick up, it's it's like a a master's class. You pick up on like, oh my God, he did that. Oh my goodness, I love how he did that. And oh wow, he cut all the, the fat out of that joke and he put that and that and that beautiful delivery. When you see someone do it beautifully, then it just shines a light on all the flaws in your act. And you go, oh, wait a minute, I got it. that's crap. I got to get rid of that and get rid of that and move that over. But it makes you work on your show by watching people doing it, uh, doing a great job of it. Uh, one of the best experiences I had was when I, uh, I was in a punchline and I walked and I saw Dave Coulier hmm. from Full House. Yeah. And he got a standing ovation every night hmm. he crushed that room every night and at the end of the week he said oh by the way i got this uh they say they're going to give me this tv show i've heard about it i don't even know if it's going to happen but it's called full house and uh, check it out if you can gosh <laughs> he had people crying falling out of their chairs never seen any comic do that before Hmm. And you see him on tel- television. He was just the goofy guy that did Popeye impressions every now and then. <laughs> yes. Yes. But when I saw him before, he did 150 impressions and built. The, the show just kept getting funnier and funnier and funnier and funnier. And he crushed with this closing number that left everybody in tears. And watching that every night you would pick up about five or six things. Just go, oh, look what he's doing there, and look what he's doing there. And 
And so when you're writing jokes, you're thinking, I want it to build like Dave did. Yeah. And I saw Marsha Warfield do a show where like every other line was a punchline. It was a totally different style. Sure. And I learned tons from that. I remember showing up with a notebook so that when the show was over, I'd go outside and just like write down all the things that were flying around in my head. So it's just watching their timing and watching them perform and watching them uh, craft their material. And that's a, that's a lesson in itself. But I don't think a lot of comics are doing that anymore. I think they're just watching other open micers and yeah. a few Netflix specials and yeah. jump right in. Well, it's to your point. There's no comic school, right? I mean, it, it is the school of life. Right. You made the decision to be a student and to perfect that craft where other people are just sort of, you know, they're they're sort of trying to do that same thing that maybe they saw with one joke, with one comic, and then they're trying to make a routine out of it. And again, they just get beaten up because it's not, it's not original. They're imitating. Right. But here's the thing. If some comic does that and they, and, and for some, and they start taking off, you have to stop yourself from thinking that, that they're doing something successful. Yeah. You have yeah. to stop thinking that that's something you should do. Yeah. Uh, if, especially in L.A., if you go to L.A. and you see a bunch of comics and some comic comes out with something that's uh, really funny and really really brilliant, you'll see 15 comics try to dissect it, mm. change a few words, and mm-hmm. make it theirs. Yep. Almost immediately. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> write it down and say, well, if I took, instead of Wichita, <laughs> made it uh, Mobile, that's and they right. took this line and made it that, and <laughs> took this and that. Yes. Yes. It's so yeah. in, in the speaker's world where we are, you know, we we often say that um it it can mirror the comedian's world in that, you know, we sort of have our talks that we give and somebody hires us to come in for gym and they he's going to talk on culture or I'm going to talk on purpose. You know, we sort of have that it's a cultivated talk, right? And how yes. for you, how long do you run First of all, how often does your set change? Is it a, is it a, like something like an eighty twenty where eighty percent of the material is is pretty much standard and you leave twenty percent for you know lightning in a bottle? Or how often do you how long do you run with a set before you say I need to shake things up? Well, uh, I would say that uh, every joke that you write that does well just goes into your arsenal. Mm. And, uh, that never, like for me, if I'm, if I wrote a joke about plumbers 15 years ago that killed and I happen to be in a room full of plumbers, that line's coming out. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, and then they're going to go, holy crap. Did he just write that on the moment? Yeah. I just yeah. found out I was a plumber and he did this whole 15 minute bit. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but what I do is I, I, uh, I almost take a chunk out of the end. Um, like the show pretty much, I have like a, a style. I do a lot of one-liners in the beginning to get them to, oh, he's funny. We like him. Okay. And when I get into the, uh, after that point, I have to make a direction change as to what I'm going to talk about, a theme change. Mm. And that's usually the new chunk. I Some short jokes. And then when it comes to that, all right, now we're going to take this act in a direction. I do that 
probably I do about a, I would say about forty minutes a year hmm. of a theme, and I will beat the crap out of that theme uh, until it is done. And then I will work on that thing to make it funnier. And then once I get to the point where it's, it's, it kills, then I think of another thing. Like, uh, and it has to be a specific thing. Like, uh, if I talk about, uh, my childhood and say, all right, I'm going to talk about my childhood and, and my relationship with my mother, I will beat the crap out of that, throw as much material as I can into it. And like a big bucket. And then after a, a few months, I'll go, all right, this is not working. I need to refix that. You know, one piece of it, I'll take out and go, all right, I need to work on that. And this piece can be funnier. And this piece right here needs some more work. I'll know, I, I noticed this, that there are some bits that I can, at the beginning of the year, I say, this is a theme, throw every joke in, work on them. And halfway through the year, think this is going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Is and then all of a sudden you get a state, you get on stage and you, you say, I'm going to do this 20 minute chunk and you commit to it <laughs> in a room full of people in Minnesota Yep, and it crushes. <laughs> yep. It's amazing how much you put time with this little line and this little line and this little line. And then when it all comes together, it crushes that you, it's like building a car. Yeah. You put all these parts together at some point, you got to, you crank it up, see if it runs. Yep. And uh, with jokes, once they start running, it's over. Is it so about 40, 40, about 40 minutes a year. Is it harder to be the sort of zinger one liner Rodney Dangerfield type or the, I'm going to take 15 minute Gary Goldman approach to, to land the joke on the payoff. Is it, is it easier or harder for either one of those? Or is it just based on style? Uh, it's it really is not only based on style but your opportunities. If you are if you're um, starting in comedy, there might be a good ten, twelve years before you're ever in a room with five hundred people. Yeah, and you're the headliner. Yeah, it'll take a long time to get to that. Uh, once you get to that, uh, you can get. I don't want to say lazy, but it's easier to tell long stories and to just, Hey, I know the punchline. And once you have a story that works, then you just, Hey, I'll take my time and just roll through this story. It has a great, uh, punchline at the end. It's going to be great. Uh, that's never going to get the response of one liners. One liners are always going to crush. If you have a, 15 great one-liners. Yep. There's nothing a story is going to do to beat that. I think it, so it's easier to tell a story because, you know, all you have to do, I mean, that's pretty much what everybody does. Yeah. When you're at a party and somebody goes, Hey, tell them about the time you bought that guitar in Memphis. Yeah. Yes. Then you have this great story. You tell it and all your friends are like, ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's easy compared to, Every line I have to say, it's got to get a laugh. Yeah. Well, and it's got to be added pressure too. I mean, it's the you know, it's the showcase mentality, right? Back back in the day when we were showcasing together, you put your best two or three 
minutes, four or five minutes up front to try to get everyone's attention, get them involved. But man, if we had to do a 45 minute showcase, I'd been sweating bullets after the fourth minute going, all right, now I'm going to tell a 36 minute story because I don't quite know what to do next because I gave you everything I had up front. Right. Right. And then also, I think that uh, if you tell a, like in the UK, I, I lived in London for a while and if you watch their stand-up, just the average comic, you realize that they have so much set up before the punchline. Mm, yeah. They don't believe in the one-liner at all. Everybody has a story that ends with a punchline, and the story drags on longer than it would in the, in the U.S. In the U.S., I think the audience wouldn't have the patience for that. Right. So when I see that, it almost, you realize the, in the U.K., they got stand-up only in the eighties, they didn't have a history of standup. There mm, was no, uh, they, yeah. So they, they were in the eighties, all of a sudden this guy puts up a comedy club and people started doing standup, but they were doing uh, prop acts. Uh, they were walking on in, in costume for their show. You know, the guy would wow. do jokes about being a bike messenger, dressed like a bike messenger, carrying a bike. Oh man. <laughs> a little on the nose. <laughs> So, so when you see that, you realize, oh, comedy is evolving. Yeah, uh, it's getting quicker. Uh, people's uh, uh, attention span is getting shorter. So the the days of the story, yeah, the story works. It works uh, twenty five minutes into your set when yep. you want to slow down. Yeah, but you can't make a career out of doing stories unless you're, you know, yeah, uh, doing very specific. A very specific act. Yeah. And this is why you're... Man, if you're saying, hey, I'm a transgender comic, and I'm going to talk about my experience experiences being transgender, then that works. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't just say, hey, I'm going to tell you a story about my dad. That's right. And now I'm going to tell you a story about my uncle. <laughs> yes. Yes. It gets... Yeah. We just don't have the... At this point, the seven seconds of attention span are gone, and, and you're not going to be able to grab that joke no matter. Uh, that's ultimately yeah. what probably ends up leading to the more of the shock comedy yeah. type stuff. Yeah. And uh, and everyone's watching comedy on their phone now. I'm yeah. just going to sit there and watch a 13-minute story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> on their phone. They're on the – got to catch a plane. That's it. That's it. It's so funny. I, I was thinking, Lewis, you've been doing this for 20-plus for years, and I – I still think of you as being an original. I'm sure you might think of yourself now as you've been around, you're a veteran at doing this, but you know, I think about the bands, you know, I'm putting it back into some music terminology. I think about like the Beatles. There were certainly, you know, music acts that were out, but they came along to be an original or kiss or David Bowie, right. you know, they, they really were Absolutely. true originals. White snake. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think about these originals and you go, you know, th there were a lot of things going on, but it, it's the whole Kurt Cobain Nirvana quote, you know, I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I'm not. And you, to me, are a true original. And I know we're talking about that on our thought, but it goes back to yours, even when you're doing the comparison of the, the UK stand-up acts. You know, you don't need to compare yourself to other people. You just put your blinders on, you do your thing, and, you know, it, it's the journey of ultimately getting the laugh that's the payoff for you. And I've just, I, I've always appreciated you doing that. Um, again, just having watched you in, in the specials, I know you've got, you got something that's coming up right on the travel channel. Actually, now that I think about it, aren't you filming something 
Well, I uh, filmed the show. We boxed up uh, three episodes, and uh, they believed that uh, what's his name? There's a guy that does uh, a travel show for CNN. Oh, uh, uh, well, well, it used to be um, not Anthony Bourdain. Who's right. the? Uh, 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 um, I can't remember. Is it the medical doctor guy? Something America, Black America. Oh yeah. Well, it has a. It, and it has an African American host. Yeah, and they when that show won an Emmy, they went. No, it's too much of a copy of that show. Mm. So it's sitting on the shelf right Ugh. now. Oh, what a bummer! Okay. What have you got? Um, what else? What? You, I have. Uh, yeah. What are you working on? One of the episodes on Vimeo. Oh, cool! I did a Chicago, uh, Boston. I did a show on Boston, and it's on Vimeo. Oh, fantastic! Oh, All right, we will take a look at that too. Actually, that's probably a yeah, great. I find it. Oh, well, it's great. I, I think that that is the biggest uh, leap for comics. Like you, you, you try to be good. You try to write. You, you're thinking about stand up and stand up only. The moment you get heat, people want you to do everything but stand up. Yeah. <laughs> we have a petting zoo. We want you to act on Broadway. Yes. Can you dance? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm a comic. What you... <laughs> yes. Working 15 years. I'm a comic. I'm a comic. And you go, oh, no, we got this great musical we're going to put together. Dancing with the comic. Before you know it, you're going to be a podcast host. You know that's yeah, what's coming exactly. next. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Uh, I, would say, I would say comics show up in LA and they go, I want to get a sitcom. And everything they're offered which is even better than a sitcom, they kind of snub their nose of that. Like a uh, game show host. They go, oh, I don't want to be a game show host. And you go, do you know how much a game show host makes? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to go so turn some letters. So comics want to be comics, and everybody in the industry wants you to be something else. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a great comic. Uh, want, can you act? Yes, yes, yes. That's why athletes want to be musicians and musicians want to be athletes. It's pretty unique to to the comedy world, though. I mean, if you're a great accountant, nobody says, hey, can you, you know, come be a janitor? They they want you to do what you're skilled at. And so it's funny that you say, you know, this is, yeah, it's like, hey, LeBron, you're you're fantastic. Have you ever thought about playing football? (laughs) It's like, let him play basketball. You know, what's going on? About Jackson. We're thinking about doing another cartoon movie with NBA players. Would you mind? <laughs> That's it. I'm telling you. I know you have, you are a trained professional and you're an athlete and you you work out and you take care of yourself. But would you mind dancing in front of this blue screen? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lewis. If they back the Brinks truck up, you'd be doing the same. Thing. That's right. You know. <laughs> you know. You know. If they come to you for Space Jam Four, you're the, in. You're in. That's right. Oh, oh, I, I am in. Like Flynn, but the thing is, you know, it's like if you're a comic, you almost have to dream ahead of it. You have to say, okay, I'm going to do stand up, and then somebody's going to offer me something. What else am I good at? Yeah, it's true. If you're good at interviewing people, like there's so many people, comics that jumped into podcasts, yep, that are horrible. Yeah, and you go. Why did you do it? Well, everybody else was doing it. But you're horrible. Yes. <laughs> Why yes. are you wasting time at something you're horrible at? Uh, comics that decide that they're going to, uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go on the road and perform. And at some point, you pull people aside and go, you're a great writer, but you're a horrible performer. Yeah. Yeah. 
become a writer. It's tough. That's a tough conversation to have, right? I'm. I know. I know. I know. But you know, it, it, it's it, it's better if you just back up, take all emotion out of it. Yep. And just make the reasonable decision. Yeah, it's bless your heart, right? I mean, that's that's ble- yeah. that that term bless your heart has given more people false hope for whatever that is that they were trying to do. Uh, instead yeah. of just saying maybe this isn't your thing, man. Maybe this isn't your thing. <laughs> You're right. And it's it's hard to say. It's even harder to hear. Yep. yep. I agree. It's the truth. Well, how can people stay in touch with you, man? If they want to follow you on social media, what's the best way for them to uh, to know what's happening in your world? Oh, my goodness. Well, just put in Lewis Ramey. I have Instagram, I have Facebook, I have a fan site. And uh, I, you know, at this point in my career, I really don't have to market myself anymore. You know, I remember the days of, I'm going to be at the Taco Shack on the Wednesday. <laughs> so now it seems like uh, uh, all I do is just take uh, amazing photos, put them up on Instagram, think yep. of some funny lines and put them up. And, uh, you know, I'm still like, I don't know if other comics think the same way, but I, I, I still perform in Dubai and London and all these places and have fans around the world. But it's amazing that I'm the only one out there doing it. Yeah, I played Luxembourg last year, and the guy says to me, "Hey, you're the only African American ever to perform here." And somebody <laughs> whispered in his ear, and he went, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're the only American." Oh, oh wow, wow, oh man, to have ever performed in Luxembourg. That's and I'm like, no other American comedian has ever performed. I said, nope, that's We've never crazy. had an American comedian here. Lewis owns Luxembourg. That's it. That's his new show yeah, coming out on the Travel out. Channel. Yes. Lewis owns Luxembourg. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'm gonna blow up the Travel now Channel get with 500 that. Five hundred comments calling me. So what's the number on that Luxembourg? That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. What's the? You got the lead. That's exactly right. Do I fly coach or do I get business class? <laughs> well, listen, man. We can't thank you enough for being on this show. Um, you know, obviously, not only are we a, a huge fans, but just. I couldn't be happier for your success, man. Just I know how long you you grinded it out, and to see you flying high is just uh, phenomenal. So congrats on everything. Thank you so much for being on Thoughts That Rock. Thank you for having me, brother. We'll talk Long to you. Long time no see. No kidding, man. Next time you're in Florida, or we're we more than likely where we are you, because we'll be at the taco stand yes. celebrating our on Wednesday. 10th <laughs> download. That's right. But outside of that, Deal. you got it. We'll all go see Space Jam 4 together. That's it. The future. Thank- right. We'll meet at the uh, after party. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Thanks so Lewis. much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Later. All right. Take care, brother. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock Rock on. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? 
that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.